we go into our underwriting for acquisition, there are some things that we are doing. And again, this is very, very market based because one thing that has taught me that I learned this year was um, like pay attention uh, very, very much to uh, your, your city in your states, local um, policies when it comes to like landlords and stuff like that. You know, you hear those things like landlord uh, friendly states or tenant friendly states. Um, I never really paid too much attention to that outside of like evictions, um, like how long it takes to evict somebody. But holy crap, this last uh, six months has been crazy. Like my Michigan portfolio is performing completely different than my Texas portfolio. Um, so I'm paying a lot more attention to the local um, state level uh, politics there and their policies to, to kind of dictate my my lender or my reserves and my underwriting uh, to what I can do because that's uh, guiding a lot of that. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us again for another amazing episode. Today we have Vince Gettings. Uh, just a little bit about him. He is the man, the legend, our coach. <laughs> he's our coach in Jake and Gino. Uh, we have huge amounts of respect for him. Um, he has over now, I think, $5 million worth in assets. Uh, his company, uh, Tri-City Equity Group. Um, he has a, a team there, and they're completely crushing it. Um, we'll go into some of their deals and processes that he, they use and to make it happen because, I mean, probably touch upon it, but, you know, they have several deals in the pipeline and, yeah, we all want to get there. So let's roll. Vince, tell us a little bit, man. How did you, um, one is how did you get started initially? How did you get in multifamily? And, you know, what was it through the program or did you do it before Jake and Gino program? How did that work? Yeah, so... Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah it's great to be here uh, and adding some value for your your guests. But yeah, so how did I got started? So I don't know how much of your your guests are military um, or, or veterans, but I got started with the VA uh, home loan house hack uh, is what I use. So I was stationed at Travis Air Force Base, Northern California. I got there around 2010, so like right as the you know the Great um, Recession, house prices were down. Uh, we got ourselves into a small um, thousand square foot, two bedroom, two bath house in, in the Bay Area for like $130,000. I did a live in flip. So me and my wife moved in there, had a couple of kids and was fixing it up as I lived in there, you know, did floors, did paint, did, did all the things as you're, you know, as you're living there for three or four years, um, got, got orders to PCS out, uh, sold that house, um, for, or no, I bought it for 150. I sold it for like, like 290 or something like that. So I walked out with a check for, uh, pretty, I walked away from closing with a check for $130,000 tax free, um, nice. because it was my primary residence, right? So, uh, primary residence, I used that $130,000 and that's what I used as the seed money to invest in real estate. And at that time, um, my investment career was very much into stocks leading up to this. Um, just like a lot of military people, you know, we get deployed, we get, we go TDY. Um, you know, it's easy to get into stock trading just because all you need is internet access and you, you start doing the day trading, the swing trading, things like that. Um, doing, I was big into ETFs, exchange traded funds and, and trading those. Um, so that's what I did. And then I started uh, losing um, trust in Wall Street very quickly. Uh, I started getting, I, I got burned a couple of times just on, on companies. Um, 
not so much like me just being a bad stock picker, but the company's submitting false, like fake information to the SEC, like to their investors, like falsifying uh, financials. And that happened right around the time that I was selling this house, um, right around 2008 or 2009, 2010. And, you know, I got burned for a couple grand. And at that point I was like, I'm done with the stock market. And I liquidated everything. So I took my 130 grand from the house. I liquidated my TSP. I liquidated my IRA, my brokerage accounts, everything. And I took all that money and went full-time into real estate. And at that time, um, all I knew was bigger pockets. Uh, like most people, they usually, uh, you know, they start rich dad, poor dad, go down that rabbit hole, find bigger pockets, get on the forums there. Um, that seems to be the most natural progression most people find themselves into. So I started reading all Brandon Turner's books, absolute gold. Um, and at that time I got into small multifamily, uh, duplexes, fourplexes, things like that. I bought 20 units in about 18 months. So I went from one single family house to 20 units in 18 months, uh, starting from $0 to, to that portfolio, 20 unit portfolio, um, in about 18 months. Uh, and then from there I hit a wall pretty hard. This was about the fall of 2018. And like, I ran out of capital, my cash flow was good, but my, my equity, my, um, my net worth and my equity, my deals weren't, wasn't increasing as fast as I thought it was, I kind of hit like a really hard wall. And I saw a bunch of my other people, uh, colleagues and stuff like that in, in, uh, in other podcasts as well. They start like, they just kept like ramping up operations. You, see, you hear guys like David Tupin and things like that, just, just crushing it. Um, yeah, yeah. like they weren't stopping. I was like, I'm missing something here. Uh, like I got to figure it out, like I know enough that they know something I don't. So I got to figure it out. So that's when I started looking into larger multifamily. And I got a bunch of lessons learned about the smaller stuff a while. Never do that again. Um, but getting into the the larger multifamily, interviewed with a lot of the big uh, big coaching groups out there, and and landed with Jake and Gino. So I was actually one of uh, you know Jake and Gino's like first round of students that came through in 2018 when they started that program. Um, and yeah, within that was 2018 of in October. And to give a credence to how, how well that program is, um, I had a 52 unit under contract by January. That's um, awesome, and, I, and I started in, and I started in October, burned through the program. Like my life depended on it. Um, cause in my eyes it did. And yeah, had that 52 unit under contract, closed it in the spring of 2019 and haven't looked back since, since then, you know, I closed another 48 unit after that. Now we have a, you know, a few other deals under in the pipeline that were, that were closing this, uh, 2020 out with so that's awesome man that's that pretty it's pretty it's pretty awesome to see that you know because i i agree with you i think after we repositioned our portfolio of small multifamily and sell it we would never go back to residential yeah. and if you can you know oh, yeah. touch upon that just a little bit because you know we always try to harp on it the differences between the commercial and and then that small multifamily right are huge so yeah i can do we can do the rest of the show on that like all the things i did wrong and it's not that i did wrong it's that all the things all the limitations i saw with the small multifamilies the duplex and the fourplexes and that a lot of people just they never get like that light bulb of like there's a better way to invest in real estate than this and they just do years and years and years and years and decades of just trying to acquire duplex and fourplexes when um they're just killing themselves on these smaller deals when they can just get it, get in the right mindset and jump to a commercial property. Um, and their life will just get a lot easier. 
I think I think the concept of uh, commercial real estate scares people. You know, the commercial is like, oh my god, I gotta be somebody huge to be able to to do this. Uh, so I, I think that's what for me. You know, I heard commercial, I was like, oh my god, that's not. I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. When in actuality, it's it's so much easier. You're dealing with a you know different side of the lending house. The loans are easier to get. You know, they're not going on your personal balance sheet um, like a conventional loan does. Things like that. You know, the way that they're valued, like that that's what killed me. You know, one of my four units, I bought it for $170,000, put like 60 grand into it, went to do a refinance on it, you know, a couple of years later, and the appraisal came back at $170,000. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like I, I put all this money into it, you know, made the outside, you know, full um, exterior renovations, full interior renovations, bumped the rents up $200 each unit. Like everything about this place is better. And they're like, that's fine but there's no comps for this, this building in the neighborhood. Like you have the only four wow. unit in this, in this block. So I don't have anything to compare it off of. So it's worth 170,000. Yeah. And that was so like on paper, I lost like 60 grand and I had to wait till I sold the place. And that was my only way to capture that, that equity was I had to sell the place in order to recapture that and I actually sold it at, um, I pretty much broke even on that property because it was comp value approach. If that was a five unit and I crossed the bridge into commercial. I would have no problem justifying the, the, the new valuation because it goes off income, you know, value approach. So, yeah. and I was like, that's just one thing I learned like that, you know, that's what we uh, learned too. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what we learned. You know, it's not, it's not, yeah, that completely different things, man. But yeah, cool. So where you, where you at now? So you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, I know still investing in El Paso, El Paso. Where else? What are you doing? Yeah, so we're in uh, we're in Michigan, mid Michigan. Um, we're in El Paso. I'm pretty heavy in El Paso. I love El Paso, and we're looking at possibly the south, uh, some of the southeast markets like the the Carolinas. Um, we might have some partnerships, uh, you know, blooming out there um, that we might be to be able to get into the Carolinas. So uh, that's it right now. Um, I try not to do a whole lot of different markets because it's to be an expert at a market um, and stay current is that's a lot of work. So if you, if you're trying to do like 10 different markets, you're, you're pretty much going to be mediocre at all of them. Um, just because that's so much information that you're constantly trying to stay updated on yeah. with that many markets, unless you have like a big team that's out there, like, um, you know, kind of like a regional manager type setup where, you know, you have employees that are focusing on each market for you. Um, we, we're not that big yet. So, uh, I, I try to keep it to two or three markets and just be you know, laser focus and experts at those, at those markets. I hear you, man. Hear right, you. When, when you say that you have partners in, and this is for the audience that probably they don't understand, you know, Jake and Gino, how the community, how tight we are and all that are the partnerships that you're creating in the, in, in those other markets are a product of the community with Jake and Gino, or is it just networking outside the, uh, the community? Yeah, both. Um, so in Texas, uh, that is, a network from outside of the community. It was actually my, uh, the Texas market. That was actually my property manager uh, for my last deal that liked what we were doing so much that he came to us and said, I want to be, your, I want to be your partner on the next deal. He's like, what you guys are doing is amazing. You know, the way you execute uh, your business plans. He's like, I want in. So my property manager is actually turning into our partner in for Texas. So that's a win-win for everybody involved in that, that market uh, for the, the North Carolina or the Carolinas, what I was telling you about, that's very much from this community. Um, once I have a partner uh, out here in Hawaii with me, 
and he expressed interest in the Carolinas. Um, he's like, this is the market I want to go in. Let's build a team there. Went to the Jake and Gino community and seeing who was operating that market, uh, sent a bunch of emails, did a bunch of calls. And now we're, like I said, the, those uh, conversations are kind of blooming into what will be a partnership um, once we get some deal flow there. That's awesome. That's nice, man. So tell us a little bit about one of the deals that you, you closed on the process for it that you went because you were you're also full-time active duty and you leverage your time you know very heavily so how you know and that's any person with a w-2 job so how do you work through all that and still close what processes do you have in place for that yeah so the the last two is um let me think the 52 unit we did we did as a jv so four people uh, very simple structure. Everybody comes in 25%. Everybody does 25% of the work. Um, and that was pretty much very, very straightforward process. Uh, for the syndication, um, a lot more work involved in that. So I rely heavily on building teams and processes and systems. Uh, so in my team, the way we set it up is I, <clears throat> I'm the COO and I set up the, the business plan. And I set up the timelines and milestones, the KPIs, the, the key performance indicators that the team I, I'm going to form is going to be held accountable to. Uh, and then I go into that market and I start building up a team. I find a property manager, um, show them the business plan, show them how well we're going to execute, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three of acquisition, uh, and then disposition of that asset. So they're on board and they have buy-in for that. Um, we incentivize our property managers uh, through a... Uh, a, like a cost sharing program where if they hit certain or um, not cost sharing a um, uh, equity sharing program. So if they hurt hit super uh, certain KPIs, then they get bonuses. Um, for example, like if they hit occupancy level at whatever uh, 95 or higher, they get an extra percentage of um, uh, uh, rents or something like that. Or if they hit uh, delinquency below a certain level, or if they hit uh the what's another one we do NOI. So if, if they hit an NOI target, you know, if we say, Hey, our NOI for this quarter is this much, that's the target. And if they hit that, they get an extra point, um, of commission, things like that. So, uh, that's some of the ways I incentivize those, uh, those property managers or those team members on the ground there. And then as far as holding them accountable, like I said, I set up the systems and every week we do, um, like pulse check meetings where, we have our, our spreadsheet set up and we go get on a Zoom call just like we are now. And we go line by line. Uh, here's the rent roll. Here's the delinquency report. Here's the income report. Uh, here's all the KPIs. Here's our leasing reports. Um, you know, and, and we go over what's the problem with this. You know, here, here's the KPI and here's the actual performance. You know, are, are we on track or not? If we're not on track, what do we have to do to get back on track? And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just kind of, um, they close the deal and they throw it to the property manager and say like, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. Um, and they end up with very much mediocre performance. So I'm a lot more hands-on, uh, than most people. Um, but our performance shows that as well is, uh, you know, we, 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 tend to find stuff very quickly when we're, when we're start getting off track, you know, we can, we can write the ship very, very yeah. quickly, uh, cause we're having those weekly calls with our property manager. So, um, and, and, you know, property manager and or team members on the ground. So, uh, we have a separate meeting every week for our team members as well, like a level 10 meeting where we, we get together, we get huddled. It's actually Thursday night. So tonight 
8, 8 p.m., all the team members are going to jump on a call and we're going to go through our, our scorecards and our KPIs that each each team member is accountable for. Um, and I think that's a that's a big thing that you know sets performing uh, performing and effective teams apart than ones that are not effective is you know the the structure and the accountability of it. Oh, that's awesome! And so you know, I'm gonna have to put that that property manager incentivization in my uh, toolkit. That, that's really creative. How when you say you give them a point, are you saying you give them a point for that? month that they hit that KPI or you're saying you're now boosting them to one more point for that remaining of the contract? We usually do it, um, like quarterly. So we, we, cause it's easier for math for us is we'll set quarterly, uh, KPIs or targets. Um, like I said, it, it, the, the biggest ones are going to be, um, uh, NOI and occupancy are, are the biggest ones. So, um, and then we use economic occupancy, um, so not just physically there, but physically there yeah. and paying, right? We, we don't want just warm bodies in the, in the, in the units. Right. So those are the two biggest ones we do. And then if we, if they hit an entire quarter of those, they'll get a, an extra point in commission, um, off gross, uh, gross scheduled rent. So, or, or gross rents collected. Nice. So if they were, and we write the contract where say that their, their base commission is going to be, you know, 5% or something like that. So no matter what, they're getting 5%. Um, and then if they hit these targets, they'll get, you know, one for the NOI target and then one for the occupancy target. Uh, and that will give them, you know, a 7% or 8% total um, commission. Nice. That's man. awesome. That's pretty cool. No, I like that because then it's very, it's good to hold accountable. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. And it, it holds them accountable and then also incentivizes them exactly to, to excel. Yeah, no, I like it. I'm going to have to put that in my toolkit, man. Like I said, so then from there, um, let's see what else we can, we can dive into. So you, you have awesome, you know, processes in place like that. How are you, how are you time blocking though? Are you using VAs or using assistants to help you? navigate through your day because i mean you do have other jobs yeah i am getting i'm on like my 10th virtual assistant um i'm, I'm still still getting there i'm about to I'm, not, I'm at the point right now where i'm gonna have to probably hire like a an agency to help me get somebody that is um really qualified and not just saying they're qualified because there's a lot of vas out there that says they can do everything but they can't yeah um but right now uh i'm being in hawaii it's I'm kind of spoiled a little bit uh, because most of my operations are East Coast time. So I'm getting up at like 5 a.m., <laughs> crushing it between like 5 a.m. and like 8 a.m. And then I go to work. So um, that's sweet. Yeah. You're but once I go, it. once I get out uh, <laughs> or once I get out here, that, you know, I'm going to have to figure something out a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I do, have, I do have an assistant though. So I, I did, we do have like a real, uh, not a virtual assistant, but an actual assistant here on the island with us. And he's a college, uh, college kid, shout out to Giovanni, if he ever hears this, but he is awesome. He's a, he's very tech savvy and Excel wizard. So, um, he helps us out a lot on due diligence, like the, a lot of like the crushing through the, uh, the paperwork and everything like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. He helps us out with that a lot. Yeah. So, cause you mentioned it. So I don't know if you read the book, uh, Michael Hyatt, uh, world-class assistant, 
but highly suggest it. And then in that book, um, the company that he started with was Belay. Um, I actually talked to them and, you know, it is a significant, um, it is a significant price, but I think it's well worth it. Uh, I can't do it right now, but I will do it. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you that. Yeah. I will say, you know, lesson learned there is, you know, don't go on, um, you know, Fiverr or Upwork and just like, oh, there's this, you know, person in for $4 an hour that's in, you know, whatever country and they're going to do everything for me. You're probably going to get what you pay for. Um, Yeah. yeah. And so that's what we're at. So, I mean, I just say they do like a $3,000 onboarding fee. And then from there, you know, you, through them, you pay uh, about fourteen, $1,800 a month, which adds up to, like $40 an hour, something like that. 40 bucks an hour. I got to quit that's my you, job and go do that. Well, that's, I mean, that's an executive assistant, you know, that you yeah. want someone that, to do everything. Yeah. Right. You yeah. gotta, you gotta pay the price. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just throwing that out there. That's something actionable people can look into. No, um, absolutely. And get in there. Yeah, man. So then, Jeremy, what you got? You kind yeah, of one of the things I wanted to ask you, man, is how are you running your numbers? Uh, especially that right now, you know, with the situation that are, that is going on, uh, you're incentivizing, you know, the the people that you work with, the uh, the property managers and all that stuff. And of course, they're you know they're bringing your your properties to uh, performing better. But how are you calculating those numbers? And and not only that, but how are you raising the NOI, especially uh, during this current situation? Um. So for running the numbers, like what what specifically are you talking about? Like underwriting or? Yeah, so underwriting, right? And, and you already have those in, uh, in, incentives in mind that is like, well, if they perform well, and obviously, I mean, you're going to make sure that they perform well. Uh, how are you calculating those incentives into, into your numbers when you're doing the underwriting? Oh, I just budget for assuming they're going to hit them. Okay. So if they if they hit them, good. If they don't, then... That's just more money that we keep. Okay, got it. So, got it. Uh, yeah, if, if the max that they can get is, you know, 7%, if they hit all the targets, I'm just going to put a flat 7% um, on there. Okay. So I don't I don't get too far into that. But um, what was the second part of your question? No, that, that was it. I mean, it, oh, yeah, and, and based on the current situation, right, for the, for the people that are trying to figure it out, it's like, okay, the math on underwriting. Um, what are you... How are you doing the, uh, for? well, just to give you an example, right? To make the, the, the uh, question easier. Uh, we're assuming, for example, that rents are not being raised uh, next year, probably in the next two years. What are you doing to to raise the NOI uh, to in, in oh, the assumptions gosh. for the next couple of years? Got it. Yeah. So especially like COVID and everything like that. So exactly. kind, of two thing, kind of two things we're doing. Um, let me think here. Okay. So as... We go into our underwriting for acquisition. There are some things that we are doing. And again, this is very, very market-based because one thing that has taught me that I learned this year was um, like pay attention uh, very, very much to uh, your your city and your state's local um, policies when it comes to like landlords and stuff like that. You know, you hear those things like landlord-friendly uh, states or tenant-friendly states. Um, I never really paid too much 
attention to that outside of like evictions, um, like how long it takes to evict somebody. But holy crap, this last uh, six months has been crazy. Like my Michigan portfolio is performing completely different than my Texas portfolio. Um, so I'm paying a lot more attention to the local um, state level uh, politics there and their policies to, to kind of dictate my, my lender or my reserves and my underwriting uh, to what I can do because that's uh, guiding a lot of that. But things we're doing, um, so if it's in like a, a little bit of a harder market, like uh, like Michigan and things like that, yeah, we're not doing any, like we're, we're not budgeting uh, or underwriting for any uh, rent increases right now. We're, we're, we're keeping the, the vacancy pretty high. Um, probably like a, I think the latest is we're sustaining uh, like a high 80s um, pretty much throughout the, or at least that's what we're underwriting for is like a high 80s throughout the rest of the, um, the next year or so. Um, we're not adding any new income. So we're not adding any kind of new fees or anything like that. If it's existing, we're maintaining it. Um, we're kind of in like the status quo where, um, you know, if we're getting a, a $10 rub or a $15 rub, um, we're just going to plan on keeping that. We're, we're not really planning on increasing that in the next year. We're going to try to, if we can, um, but we're not going to bet on it. We're not going to put in our pro forma that, you know, we're going to, we're going to do these things and the deal has to work because we do them because that's, uh, that's, yeah, we're, we're showing that we need to be a lot more conservative, especially in those markets where again, in, in Texas, it's completely different. People are paying their rent in Texas. Um, and, and we're actually getting rent, uh, hitting rent premiums in Texas as well. So we hit our targets. Um, like in that deal, the last indication we did, we're already in, um, your, your, the 24 month mark of our pro forma and we hit it in five months. Um, and that, and that's mainly because of, uh, the market that we're in is strong. The, the politics of Texas is very much, um, different than Michigan. Uh, so they didn't get the same, the same, uh, message from their governor than they did, uh, the, the Michigan governor there. So, uh, people are paying their rents. People are still working. Uh, the, the state didn't shut down like, like Michigan did. Um, so we're, we're being, uh, a little bit more aggressive in the Texas one. So, uh, what else we got? We got vacancy, uh, no, uh, so keeping a, a higher vacancy than we normally would keeping no new additional income and keeping rent growth pretty flat. Um, or at least like the two, if we want to go have an increase, just don't increase it past inflation, like the two, two to 3% inflation. Um, we're not doing like a 10% bump or anything like that. Um, as far as financing and just operations uh, across the board, we are keeping our reserves much higher than we normally would. Um, you know, the general uh, you know rule of thumb people benchmark is like two months of of opex and debt service um, as your as your reserves, um, your your reserve fund going into a deal. Uh, we're ramping that up to like minimum six months or nine months or something like that. So when we close we, a deal, uh, we have a lot of cash on hand and that's something that we're going to do everywhere just because there's so much uncertainty of what's going on right now. We don't want to run into a situation where, um, you know, we, <clears throat> we have a high burn rate and we're just burning through our, our cash through, uh, operations because we went through like another COVID round two or, or something like that. Um, so uh, I definitely encourage people to have much higher working capital or cash reserves than they normally would. Um, especially if they're going to agency, then they don't have a choice because they're requiring them anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but if you're doing local lenders that don't necessarily require it, 
still underwrite where you're you you're doing at least I would say six months minimum, like full full operations uh, opex plus that service right now until we get you know the the light at the end of this uh, this tunnel. That's the worst worst position for a an owner to be in is um, you know strapped for cash flow uh, because then I'll be there to buy it from you for. <laughs> you're such a jerk <laughs> hey man so where do you see yourself next year 2021 where do you see it? crushing deals uh we are um our team's really finding a, their groove uh you know we just close like i said we closed the 40 the 48 unit uh, or the 52 the 48 we, we got a 60 right now um so we're, we're really getting to our stride of what this team is turning into um, and 2021, we're, you know, I think we're going to do another double, right? We doubled our portfolio this year. I think we're going to double it again next year. Nice, man. So how are you, how are you leveraging those partnerships, right? Because from what I understand, uh, some of the deals aren't with just your core Tri-City team, right? They might be external. How are you leveraging those and making sure that they actually are a good fit? Yeah, great question. Um, we're still, uh, we're still working that one out. This is our first, this next deal we do the 72 unit is our first time not being, um, the main partner of that deal, like the main, uh, sponsor of that deal, or we're actually partnering, uh, side by side with another, another group. Um, the, the best thing is just be extremely transparent. Uh, one of our lessons learned on the last deal is assuming what the sponsorship team compensation is going to be. Um, and that is, we found out that that was very wrong. Uh, so the best thing to do is lay it out like day one, when you're talking about a partnership, uh, very, very clearly how each partner is going to be compensated and, and, or maybe not each partner, how each role Entity. and responsibility is going wow. to be compensated. Um, that way, you know, whoever's going to fit that, that, or fit that role and responsibility, whoever's going to be sitting in that seat doesn't matter. It's how, how that seat is going to be compensated for, you know, deal finder for KP for, um, that whoever put up the at-risk capital, whoever is, uh, doing like the investor relations, whoever's doing, you know, filling any of these roles, you, you assign like a percentage of the GP for that role. And then whoever slides into that role, everybody knows, okay, well, you know, Bob's getting, you know, 20% because he, he brought the deal to the table and we all agreed that whoever brings the deal to the table gets 20% or whatever it is. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, as long as you agree to that stuff, um, what those compensation rates and what the splits are before you get a deal under contract, that was a big lesson learned from our, our last deal. Gotcha. Interesting. Cause awesome, you don't want to have a conversation where some guy thinks he's going to get 25% and then you get down to doing your legal documents and, you're like, no, bro, you're only getting like 10, um, you know, and, and that's what, you know, and that, that's what we had to do. Um, cause we, we, on our fault, we weren't transparent up front and we just assumed that everybody knew this compensation structure. So lots of transparency, lots of communication, lots of, um, laying down the expectations. And again, back to accountability. If you, if you're going to take this hat, you know, we're going to hold you accountable for that role. Um, yeah. and, and this is the structure that we're going to put in place to hold you accountable. Awesome, man. No, I love it. I love it. Especially, you know, you're, you're looking at other people and trying to fit that puzzle together. Yep. Cool. Jeremy, you got anything? I mean, man, let, let me ask you this. So Oscar told you, you know, ask you where you see yourself next year. Uh, let me ask you, what are your goals? You know, you're 
uh, real estate investor. You have your own podcast. You have your own meetup. Um, I mean, you're you're active everywhere. You're active uh, in the military. Um, where do you say yourself? What's what's your goal, right? Because you're you're everywhere. You're killing it. And people might be saying like, well, I don't want to get into 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 real estate investing, into multifamily if I'm going to be working like this guy, you know? So what's, it, what's your goal eventually, man? Yeah, I, I probably work um, a little more than most people should, um, mm -hmm. but I have a burning why and and that's what drives me. Um, so go, go into uh, the goal. I'm also going to be transitioning out next year. So awesome. I have that you know, burning in front of me, like I got to get all this done before <laughs> this paycheck stops. Right. Yeah. So that, that's a pretty strong why is to, is to know that, you know, you're taking the uniform off in a, in a few months. Right. You know, you know where, it, where it's at German. Um, yep. Right. So that, that's a pretty, if that doesn't motivate you, then I don't know what else will, but, uh, yeah. So my goal, my personal goal is, um, you know, driven, family driven, right. I got uh, three kids. Um, definitely, uh, very personal. Like I, I didn't have a, you know, great childhood growing up. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm a dad that's going to be there for my kids. Um, and that's not for, you know, being deployed all the time or being TDY all the time. So, um, and having the means to do things with them, um, provide them a life that I didn't have. So getting out of the military, doing real estate full time and doing the work now. So when I do get out, I can, uh, choose to step back from my operations. You know, I have the systems and the process in place to where if I want to take a couple of weeks off to go, you know, take the, take the kids and go to, you know, Europe or something like that. I can do that. The systems, you know, the, the business is going to take care of itself. Um, but to do that, to be able to afford that, I have to put in the work now. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm, I'm driving uh, full speed ahead over the next uh, year or two to build this, uh, to build this machine. And then I can take a step back and, you know, uh, be there for my family. And then I can kind of come in and out, uh, as I, as I need, uh, of the business. Love it. So let me ask you this, uh, is multifamily your vision or your strategy? Uh, strategy. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the, the vision, yeah. So it's like anything like people said to me, uh, I've had people, I, we've had people tell us that they're, vision is to own a million units and we're like yeah. okay that's not my vision <laughs> so yeah. then then i would ask them why why a million units right what what it's always the to me it's always the means to the end my goal right my my vision is i am flying my piper uh mirage which is uh a pretty nice plane so flying my piper mirage and i turn around and i, I see my daughter sitting next to me my, my family in the back and we're flying off to you know whatever the bahamas Cause I just got a place out there for the summer or something like that. Right. That's my vision, right? Yeah. That vision ain't cheap. So I need to, I need a way to get there and it's not necessarily going to be on my, my, you know, my military, you know, E7 paycheck, right. That ain't, yeah. I, that ain't afford a Mirage. That's a, you know, it's a 600, $700,000 plane. So, um, in order to afford that vision, I need, I need a means to get there. I need a vehicle to get there, to, to, to do this vision. And to me, after doing a couple different things, multifamily, is the vehicle is the only vehicle that's going to get, uh, me to that, to that angle, to that vision. Um, and then, so I have my vision, I know how much it costs and then you back into it. Okay. To be able to afford this vision in, in this lifestyle I want for my family, um, how many units, you know, I already picked a vehicle, uh, multifamily, how, how many rows in this bus need to be there. Right. Well, I need about, you know, 
400 rows in this, in this bus. Yeah. Uh, so 400 units or whatever it is, uh, need, need, I need to have in order to, uh, you know, achieve this vision I have in, in my head and my vision board. Um, and, and that's how I think of it. So multifamily is the vehicle and I do have a number, um, that I need to hit, uh, but it's not the goal, right? The, the, the goal that vision is, you know, the, what the thing it's going to do for my family and the multifamily is just how I'm going to get there. So that's my, that's my take of it. No, I love it, man. I, I agree. You know, we, we try to ask questions like that because everyone has a different take on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it, it might be owning a certain number, right? That, yeah. That's what they love and see themselves doing all the time. Yeah. But mainly for the people but, that so we the, have in our podcast. Okay. So the counter to that is what we're, uh, cause I, I do this a lot in, in my, my, my day job. Uh, cause you know, um, what I, what I do is I, I do a lot of goal setting with the younger enlisted, right? So a lot of it's like, Oh, I want to, I want to buy this, well, buy this car, right? Well, why do you want that car? Well, so I can drive around and, and, you know, get out of the dorms and stuff like that. Like, well, the car isn't the goal. The goal is freedom, right? You want freedom. It, that's the goal. The, the mm-hmm. car is quite literally how you get the freedom. So same thing with those, the people that want a million units, right? Like, why do you want a million units? Right. Well, because I'll have enough cash flow to do whatever I want, you know, when I want with who I want. Well, then yeah. well, that's the goal. How you're going to achieve that goal is getting a million units. And the reason I, I structure it that way is because the why. Like I said earlier, I have a pretty strong why that gets me up in the morning, gets me driving, is because if that person that had, you know, my goal is 20,000 units because it's a cool number and I'll make a lot of money. Well, if they, is that number big enough for them to drive them to, to do the, you know, through the crappy times and wake up in the morning and jump on planes and go do all this stuff and grind day and day and day. So what's going to happen is, you know, maybe they're not, they don't hit 20, maybe they only hit 10,000 and they hit 10,000 units and they say, well, I didn't want 20,000 anyway, right? Because their why wasn't strong enough. But if their why was so, if their why was, I need to, I need to achieve this. And the only way I'm going to achieve this, uh, this goal, like this lifestyle I want for me, my family, and this legacy wealth, this generational wealth is getting 20,000 units. Then they don't have a choice. They have to get 20,000 units. It's not, I'm going to do 10,000 and quit. It's like, no, I have this lifestyle. I have this vision. And the only way I'm going to get that is that 20,000 units. And that's what I see uh, separates a lot of people between those high achievers and those people that are just like, where do they get the energy to, where do they get the motivation to keep crushing it day after day after day? Like the Eric Thomases and stuff like that, um, who I just channeled right now uh, is my, is my ET. Uh, But he has a very good point. It's, you, you got to put a Y to that, that goal. Um, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you're going to, you're going to put a half-assed effort in and you're not going to achieve it. And then you're going to convince yourself that you didn't want that stuff anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, that's true. You just spoke some truth there, man. That was was deep, man. You know, you must get all those little airmen fired up. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome, man. German, you got anything else? No, man. No, I just dropped the mic. <laughs> you got no, it. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was, that was a drop the mic, man. I love no, it. No, I mean, for, for the audience out there, I mean, this is our coach, you know, Jake and Gino. And, and this guy, I mean, seriously, I, I admire you, Vincent, for everything oh, that nice. you do. Every time I talk to you, man, you, you fire me up. I learn so much from you from every conversation. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, if, if this, this, is, this is the guy. This is the guy that we listen to. And uh, we we always every time we need something to you know to to move forward, uh, yeah. we go to him. So yeah, 
Yeah, man. Oh, thank you. Very, very touching. And same yeah. for you. I don't know too many people that are that are brothers uh, that are tag teaming this together that can can stand each other long enough to <laughs> to create businesses and and, and and do this together. You know, a lot of people are just uh, you you don't see many um, you know family uh, yeah. like this uh, doing it. So, congrats to you guys problem, for, for sticking it we, out there. We're fighting right after this. All right. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> hey you messed up bro no, <laughs> no i love oh, it man i love it man yeah um, so you know tell the audience man where, where they can find you you know everything man let it go yeah we got it so we have um our facebook group honolulu multifamily and more that's our our facebook group that we have you can come on there and and just talk real estate uh come to our meetups um we are on hawaii time so if you're on east coast it's, it's gonna be pretty late for you um, but if you're on the West coast, it, it's good. Uh, so yeah, so Honolulu multifamily and more this is our meetup. Um, if you want to check out our website, it's tricityequity.com and that's where you can come check out, uh, what we have going on or our portfolio, what deals we have, uh, coming up our strategies and, and things like that. And just our insights of what we do. So, uh, that's where you can hit us. If you want to email me directly, connect at tricityequity.com. And like uh, I say, he's a coach at Jake and Gino. So request to be a, yeah. Request to be a uh, coach by Vince. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And try, you know, Trent city equity group is uh crushing it. So uh, we'll stay uh, on the lookout for what you guys keep doing that, man. But yeah, thank you for coming on and we really appreciate it for all the listeners out there, you know, give us a five-star review, you know, show us some love, send us some messages, let us know what we can do better what you do like and we'll go from there thank you guys thanks vince awesome thank you